Hey guys, it's Elise Whitney, one of BA's associate editors. Adam is out this week, so I'm filling in to introduce this week's episode, my conversation with Jimmy O. Yang. You may know the actor as Jin Yang on Silicon Valley or Bernard Tai, the over-the-top friend in Crazy Rich Asians. The stand-up comedian also wrote a memoir, How to American, An Immigrant's Guide to Disappointing Your Parents, and a rant about boneless wings on bonappetit.com. Here, he talks about the fast food he loved after immigrating to the U.S. from Hong Kong at 13, what the cast ate while filming in Singapore, and making wontons at home. Oh, and one quick note before we get started. There's some cursing in this episode, so if you're listening with kids, you might want to hold off right now. And with that, here we go. Well, welcome to the podcast, Jimmy. Thank you for coming. Thank you. What a lovely day in New York today. Yeah. So I've seen Crazy Rich Asians twice already, mm. and uh, I went to Singapore because of the movie. I feel like tourism is going to blow up right? after this movie. Was this your first time in Singapore? Because you were born in Hong Kong and lived there a long time, right. right? I went there on a little trip when I was 10 years old with my mom. So I don't really remember much. I remember the food was amazing. But this was first time going back there. First time really going back to Asia as an adult. Wow, really? So it's huge. And after that, the layover from uh, Los Angeles to Singapore and vice versa, it was in Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. So that gave me an excuse to finally go back to Hong Kong for the first time since I moved here. So how long were you in Hong Kong for that layover? So I went to Hong Kong for a week and I took my parents there. My parents was actually with me the last week of shooting in Singapore. So that was pretty special. And... I think Nico Santos got to go back to Philippines for the first time when he came back here. That movie, I mean, it just brought so much. There's like a hominess to it, and and you felt like going home because we also we're so proud of being Asian when we're just in the lobby chilling with each other, shooting with an all Asian cast. So there's a, a special some kind of feeling, and I think going back to Hong Kong for me was the perfect ending to shooting that movie. Yeah, how long were you in Singapore properly for shooting? Because you shot there, yeah. you shot um, on you the shot island. Malaysia also. So I shot Malaysia for about, like, I think three weeks. I had to go back to L.A. to shoot something else. And then I went back to Singapore to shoot, I think, another three weeks to a month. The whole shoot uh, was about two and a half months, I, I believe. Yeah. yeah. And, y- and your role isn't huge in this movie, mm-hmm. but it's impactful. Bernard <laughs> is definitely a character in the book that is larger than life, very extravagant, and he kind of gets his own say in the second book. Like, spoiler alert. Yes, yes, yes. Going into this character, how did you channel that extravagance? Did you eat a lot of caviar before filming? What did you do? (laughs) Honestly, honestly, I didn't have to prepare too much. I felt like I knew this guy. I've met people like this, and 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 when you have to kind of show no restraint, it's it's very fun to do, you know. So some of the hardest part about acting is is sometimes you got to be somebody else, but also there's obstacles and restraints. But this guy really, you can just be larger than life. It, it's really a role that, as a character actor or as an actor in general, is a dream job. So I think I can just basically stop all my own inhibitions and just be as big as possible and it, it was so fun yeah and he throws this obscene bachelor party for oh, nick yeah. something that nick clearly doesn't want and it wasn't shown as much in the movie but in the book you see piles of lobster and like the craziest food was there anything that at craft service was anything like that in singapore uh the craft service was okay because honestly singapore it's pretty bare bones and 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 malaysia when they shoot they didn't have trailers our trailer, me and Ronnie have to share a trailer. It's it's just a back of a truck. You know what I mean? Like, so they're not used to certain things that maybe our unions here have provided us. And craft service was fine. 
But um, actually, that day on shooting the bachelor party, there's all kinds of food laid out. There's like a whole seafood station. There's a whole pig roasting. But the thing was, instead of using props, they used real food. And we shot there for like three days in 115 degree heat. So by the third day, it smelled disgusting. But you know what? It, it, it looked great for the movie. And in general, when we're outside of the set, the food was amazing in Singapore. Yeah, I experienced Singaporean food for the first time when I was there last month, and I fell in love with like Chinese chicken, Chinese oh, yeah. chicken, and uh, and the stir fried noodles. Markets. Yeah, literally, was- you have like these state of the art buildings and shopping malls that have two products, two MSs. And a block next to it is these hawker markets, street food markets that you can buy the best Hainanese chicken for five dollars. And, and, and that's what's incredible about a lot of these Asian countries. They kept their old culture, especially with food. Um, and, and next to it, it's just modernism with, with 60-story buildings. And it's really beautiful. Yeah. Did you have a favorite dish at the hawker stalls or a favorite hawker stall in general? Oh, my God. That is so hard to say. I think the satays were great. The oyster egg were awesome. But Hainanese chicken, I grew up eating that. And, and it's just every stall, it's just a little different, and it's it's just wonderful. Laksa might be my favorite, though. I'm a big noodle soup guy. My, my diet consists of mainly noodle soups, pho, ramen, Chinese noodles, laksa. I, I, I haven't found a good laksa place in L.A. yet, which is very hard. I, I, is there one in New York? No, I haven't found one yet, but there's a, a restaurant called Kopitam, and they apparently have really great Malaysian food. Ooh. And so I don't know about laksa, but they do have kaya toast, which is yeah. a staple. Oh, yes. It's like that, like, just so good. The pandan leaf and the coconut yes. and then the butter and the toast. And you dip the it in the greenish soft oil. thing, right? Mm-hmm. At, at our hotel every morning, Actually, every night, because at the, the last two weeks, we shot uh, night shoots. So by the time we get back to the hotel, we stayed at the Grand Hyatt um, in Singapore. By the time we got back to the hotel, it was like 7 a.m., and we're supposed to go to sleep, you know, to prepare for the next day. And we would go to breakfast. That was like a late-night, you know, uh, um, late-night meal was breakfast at the hotel. Let me tell you, like, I mean, I don't know if it's just this hotel or, or, or most hotels in Singapore, but it's – it's an international food fair. They literally have a sous vide tub for just eggs, okay? Next to it, you got all the Chinese food. Next to it, you got all the Indian food with an Indian chef. You got all the Western pastries. You got kaya toast. It's, it, and you have a fresh wonton noodle station. It's, it's one, of some, one of the best restaurants I've been into, and it's just breakfast at the hotel. And it's like the complimentary breakfast. That's what I, the experience I had as well. And yeah. I and I I stayed at the Andas, and it was great. But and that's a newer hotel in Singapore. Mm-hmm. But it also had extravagant breakfast. Oh, it's insane! I mean, Asian people, it's all about food. And growing up in Hong Kong, that's one of the foodiest. Everybody is a foodie. Everybody can cook. Everybody knows food. And I mean, Chinese people. There's a saying. Literally, it it, it means like uh, in in Cantonese, it's man yi sik wai xin. That means the people put food first. I'm talking about before sex, before money, before everything. People put food first. Here, the culture is, if, if, if I come up to you, I'm like, hey, let's hang out tonight. Assuming that usually it's, let's go get a drink. Let's go to a bar. In, in, in China or in Hong Kong, you know, in a lot of Asian countries, when we say let's hang out, usually it means let's go to dinner. Yeah. You know, it, it's a different culture of... Um, Stress the the stress on food and and there's nothing I just remember there's nothing that made my dad more angry than having a bad meal when we ate out you know what I mean 
Is that something that you did a lot in Hong Kong and LA, both eating out? Oh yeah, that that was the thing. Like when you talk about like partying or going out, now nah, wasn't that? It, it was just going to a nice restaurant with your family and your extended family. That was the hangout. Are there any memories? I know that you mentioned on another podcast with Mark actually that you don't really remember a lot about your time in Hong Kong. Is that correct? Yeah, uh, Mark Mark Marin, by the way, we just call him Mark over here. <laughs> You know, good friends. It, it's interesting because now I mostly speak English. I think in English, and when I was growing up in Hong Kong, I spoke and thought in Cantonese. So there's so some part of my brain that is kind of just, just kind of filed away in Cantonese. When I was back in Hong Kong, when I was speaking Cantonese, some of the memories just came back, you know, fast. But on a day-to-day basis, yeah, I don't remember much, you know. But when I went back, I made sure I, I, I visited Victoria Park. You know, the Tinhao, like, uh, station where I grew up at, like, the, the, the subway station. And um, a lot of food places I went back to. Um, we went to the Shanghai Club. Diners Club is, is a big thing in Hong Kong. Actually, Kevin Kwan talked about this in the second book. It's not, like, here, the exclusive clubs are, like, the nightclubs, you know, that are opened up by uh, Cara Delvin's uh, uncle or something you know what I mean like like it's all these exclusive things that maybe you need membership to get into or you need to know the bouncer or something in Hong Kong the most exclusive places are the best restaurants that are like diner clubs so like the Shanghai club that I went back to you know with the best Shanghainese food and it's just a restaurant on the second floor of an office building the American club I went to the American club in Hong Kong with my uncle. I'm like, this is stupid. Why did I come all the way from America to go to the American club in Hong Kong? But that steak in the American club was better than most steaks I've had in America. It was incredible because you have like these great Hong Kong chefs making these like great piece of American steak, you know. So all these diner clubs. And also you got the food stalls like that. It's been around for years. You know, this um, this just... This place, it, 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 it's just literally a brisket noodle place. That's all they make. Every day, they have a whole tub of brisket, and it's delicious. And they pour it over rice noodle. And it's just clear broth over rice noodles, and they sprinkle onions and peppers. I'm sure, sure, there's a ton of MSG in it. But it's freaking delicious. And, and it's amazing. I haven't bought, like, a tub of hot sauce from them. And you brought it back. Yeah, the chili oil is amazing. What do you smuggle back in your suitcase when you, on this trip when you came from Asia? Did you bring anything back? That hot sauce was, I think, the main thing. Usually my mom, like, she goes visit Shanghai a lot. I tell them to bring, like, the crab sauce, you know, with the hairy crab with all rows. So it's, like, orangey and, and red. And you just mix it up. Literally, it's just tub of sauce like your auntie made, or you can buy it in the stores now. You just, you just, you know, heat it up and then mix it up with like some fresh noodles and some scallions, and it's the best meal you can ever have. It's a very Shanghainese thing. And um, actually, some of the Singaporean co stars came uh, t- f- for the premiere, and I asked them to bring some like laksa sauce packets, like, you know, curry sauce packets, that stuff that you can't necessarily find here. Yeah, and it's all really affordable too. Like, I got a huge jar of Kaya jam and I smuggled it back. It was maybe like five, six dollars. Yeah. And then the conversion rate, forget about it, in both Hong Kong and Shanghai or in Singapore is amazing. It's interesting. Like food here is my biggest expense. But in China and Hong Kong, you can eat really well for pennies on the dollar, especially street food. You know, you got great restaurant food like American Club. That was like expensive. You know, the clubs, they were expensive. But, you know, just that bowl of, like, brisket noodle was probably, like, I don't know, like $3. Yeah. What was it, the Singapore club versus the uh, 
the American club. Or the Shanghai club, sorry. Oh, the the, Shanghai what was in the club. Shanghai club versus the American club? Okay. Shanghai club is very traditional stuff. Obviously, you have the Xiaolongbao and stuff like that. But you, you, you go there for very specific Shanghainese dishes. Like, um, I, I speak Shanghainese also to my parents. So, uh, like, sushi, there is a thing called sushi. literally means vegetarian chicken. Um, or su, it's like vegetarian uh, um, duck. But it's just duck or chicken-flavored fried bean curd that are rolled in layers it, it's pretty amazing like these little things and then there's this dish that's like chopped up greens with like um with uh with just bean curd and tofu and 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 you know all these like little soups quail that's a big dish in hong kong and um they have uh they have this thing i'm, I'm gonna mix in between languages like in, in hong kong there's one of these things one of my favorite thing is lo soy Soy means like um, I, I don't even know how to say it It's like some kind of a juice Some kind of a water That you put either um, Crane in Or not crane What, what do they call it uh, It's not just duck Because here they only have uh, Roast duck But it's like roast crane Or like roast swan I don't know how you Some bird Some yeah, flying yeah. thing Because it's uh, In Cantonese um, Duck is ngap In uh, Cantonese uh, the, the other good kind of bird Is uh, ngo so siu siu ngo or siu ngap, it's, it's two different things, but you, you don't really get the crane stuff here. Anyways, that that stuff in that low soy, it's just like a, I, I don't know, it's almost like a pickle marinade. It's real salty. You you also put that with like large intestines in there, and it's freaking delicious. And is that something that you ate as a kid, or is it something? Absolutely. Yeah. My dad was a big foodie, so he took us to all those different places. Did your family cook at home, too, or was it more of a go out to eat and explore that kind of cuisine and different sorts of dishes? We went out to eat plenty, but mostly we ate at home. Yeah. Because in, in Chinese families, every night there's like a three, four-course meal. You know, like like it's it's you go to market and you get the fresh fish, fresh everything every day to cook at home here we just go shopping at costco once a month you know i don't know how it is in new york city maybe you go to the bottega down the street but in in hong kong or in most other countries you go to market and get the fresh stuff you know your butcher you know your fish guy you know your produce guy you know it's a very involved thing when people get off work my parents got off work my dad was the one that did most of the cooking he wouldn't admit it but he actually didn't let my mom cook too much because he was the better cook he would cook like Shanghainese meals, like red braised pork, which is amazing, right? And then um, uh, uh, all, all the fresh fish stuff. He'll steam up. Just every day, it's something different. And then at at, at lunch, he'll he'll you know sometimes come home and 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 make me and my brother something simple, just like a pickled vegetable pork noodle, which I actually didn't like when I was a kid. I I used to give him shit. I'm like, Dad, you know, the reason why I'm so small is because you you just let me eat like pickled vegetables. For lunch every day, you know, if I was corn fed, I'll be playing football by now. <laughs> but any, anyways, like I, I found this place, Tasty Noodle House, it's like a chain in uh, L.A. And I love it because they have those same dishes that I grew up eating, like the pickle vegetable noodle. It's so simple, but so good. And, and just it, it's comfort food for me. So you kind of when you are home in L.A., do you kind of just cook based on what you're craving that day and try to go to the market that day? Or are you a once a month or a once a week grocery shopper? It's so hard. Like I try to, you know, I mean, there isn't local markets where I am in L.A. Like, you know, you can go to Whole Foods and then I try to stock up my fridge for the next week. But then I'm not cooking because I end up like either going out with friends 
or I, like I live alone. So if I cook, if I make like a big pot of pasta, like I'm not, I'm, I'm gonna eat it for the next eight days. <laughs> I don't want to do that. Like you know, or or you don't want to just make a single portion of something because it's very that's that's so much work for just one person. Sometimes actually, um, me and a bunch of like uh, Chinese American writers. Um, I don't know if you guys know I'm like Jessica Gao who writes on who wrote on Silicon Valley and writes on Rick and Morty. She's great. You know Ken Chang, Shang Wang, and uh, our other buddy Andrew T. We 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 got a group text. It's called Crap People, <laughs> and we get to together like bi-monthly or so to eat crab. That's all we do. Okay. And sometimes we'll go to boiling crab. Sometimes we'll go to the Korean market and like somebody will host like a crab night and 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 you know we'll make it a whole thing. So, so that's something that's fun when it's communal, and, and I don't mind cooking then, you know? Yeah, it's like the Crab Club. The Crab Club. Yeah. It's very exclusive. Huh. How, how do I get membership? Well, uh, you, you got to be Asian, first of all. We, we let one honorary non-Asian in, uh, you know, once in a while. But you got to be cool, man. You just got to be cool. You know, you can come by. All right, cool. Yeah. Uh, and chili crab is a huge dish in Singapore. Huge. Did you eat a lot of that? Yeah, I remember the last night there, Selena Tan, who um, plays one of the aunties, very funny in the movie. She took us to a local Singaporean place, and it was great because we hang out with, like, Fiona Shi and, and Pierre Pong, huge Singaporean stars. So so the doors just kind of opened, and, and, and it was a very nice reception. And one of my favorite things going up in Hong Kong and also they had in Singapore and this restaurant was you go to the fish tanks, and you pick out what you want. They give it to you in a plastic bag. And you take it in the restaurant and they cook it for you however you want. Which is like amazing. It's nothing better than, you know, it's like it's like farm to table literally in front of your eyes. You have fish tank to table. Tank to table. Tank to table, right? They should do that here. It's And, and the chili crab was great. The black pepper crab actually like even better. Um, and also razor clams. Razor clams is my thing, man. Like I remember it just in Hong Kong and it did in Singapore too. You split it. It's like a long piece of clam. Ton of garlic ton of garlic and you steam it that's all you do it's delicious and then you eat like seven dozen of them oh my god i can eat that all day and they have these giant ones and and then you you, you pick it out and there's a lot of sauces and like oil and like garlic on top of it that sauce you pour in the rice nothing better than that yeah i really like those little fried donuts that come with chili crab because it's like mm. this like it's not sweet it's just a piece of fried dough kind of like you'd get it's just like a bow. Just soaks up the fa- soaks flavor. Soaks up all the the sauce. And mm-hmm. chili crab, I can't eat that much spicy food. I was, I'm Korean, but raised by white people, so I didn't grow up eating oh, a lot of spicy I food. See. But chili crab, not that spicy. Not that spicy. No. The black pepper crab was is more spicy. spicy. Yeah. Yeah. And you can buy those sauces. I went to Jumbo Seafood. You can just buy the sauce, bring it home if you're gonna steam crab at home, and then just pour the sauce over. It's yeah. The, the messiest thing. Yeah. And and also with with laksa, like you mentioned before. It's it's a little bit spicy, but you can eat it for breakfast. That's what a lot of people do in Singapore. Uh-oh. They'll eat curry for breakfast with their kaya toast. Oh, that sounds so delicious and comforting. I don't eat breakfast anymore. Well, maybe you will if you eat like a Singaporean. Yeah. I, well, I remember like wasn't there some kind of article like this this saying out there? It's like you can eat as much as you want for breakfast. You're just gonna burn it off. That's the best meal of the day. So now I was shooting this movie in Atlanta. They were like making breakfast tacos and stuff. I'm like, I'm just gonna do that. I I ate like three breakfast tacos dipped in brisket, like like biscuit. A sausage gravy and then five pieces of bacon on the side. I'm like, I can't get fat. Gain like 15 pounds in like two months. It's all it's all garbage. Don't listen to that. So now I I kind of do the intermittent fasting where I don't I try not eat at night and I don't really eat anything until you know lunchtime or so. Mm. Does that make you appreciate the food that you eat at lunch even more? 
I really I was never a breakfast person. I, I was never a breakfast person. Um, I, I've always been a lunch, dinner person, and a savory person. Never a dessert person. And why? What? 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 What is this? What is this big breakfast out there that made eggs and bacon and sausage the breakfast items? What? What Diners? made that so special? Why can't that be lunch? I can be. That's what brunch is for. But then why can't why can't you know like like you're saying laksa or or why can't a hamburger be breakfast? It can be breakfast if you want it to be. That's what I'm saying. But it's frowned upon if I eat a hamburger. If I eat In and Out for breakfast, people are <laughs> gonna look at me funny. But if I eat like a like a sausage egg McMuffin, that's acceptable. What, who made up these rules? It's confusing. I don't like it. I feel that you may have a rant here. You did a great boneless wing rant for us on bonappetit.com. Exactly. Like, you know, boneless wings is a scam. And you guys can read this article on bonappetit.com. And this whole big breakfast, I'm, 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 not, I'm not down. But the one thing about you that I, I found is that you, you like fast food. You love fast food. So in San Diego where you went to college is what sparked our chicken wing conversation. That's right. Dirty Bird. Dirty Bird is great. Yeah. So... That's your chicken wing spot, uh-huh. and across the street was, can you pronounce it for me, Trujillo's? Trujillo's. Trujillo's. Yeah. And they had a carne asada burrito stuffed with french fries. Amazing. Now, it's not just, if you go to L.A., it, it's totally different. I guess it's, it's a different type of Mexican food. In San Diego, it's more Baja Mexican food. I, I don't know what it is. So they have every restaurant, every Mexican restaurant in San Diego has California burritos. But none of the Mexican restaurants in L.A. has it, Okay. And it's the most popular thing. I don't know why it hasn't migrated. Me and my buddy actually thought about opening up a California burrito restaurant in L.A. There is a couple now, but none of them are great. So it's French fries, carne asada, very simple. Sometimes sour cream, guacamole, pico de gallo. That's it. Don't oh, put rice. Don't put beans in my fucking burrito. All right? Like, I don't, I don't want any of that shit. If I, just put it on the side. If beans and rice, put it on the side. I don't, I don't like that. If you go to L.A. and you order, like, a carne asada burrito with fries, it's not a California burrito because they put bean and, and, and rice and they don't make the carne asada. I don't know why. I, I don't know why that two-hour distance that you get closer to Mexico, the Mexican food gets so much better in San Diego. But French fries, definitely not a Mexican food staple. But they kind of— Neither is burrito. No, that's true. But with beans and rice, that makes something soggy. And if you're already getting your French fries a little soggy, it seems like— Three soggy is too many. Last thing you want is a soggy tortilla. Why would you put beans in there? Just abomination. 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 I used to not even like beans on my nachos. Like it makes it soggy. But but I, I gotta say I've kind of came. I I do light beans on my nacho because it helps you grab onto the other ingredients. That's true. I guess that this this dissertation has moved from breakfast to Mexican ish food to yeah. French fries. Beans is nothing more than a filler and binding agent. Unless you put a ton of lard in it, then it tastes amazing. It seems like you have a good grasp on the things you like and don't like. Yeah, yeah, you know, I got strong opinions on stuff. But you love El Pollo Loco. El Pollo Loco is great. Because your grandfather took you there in Los Angeles when you were a kid, right? Oh, yeah. That was the first restaurant we had when we uh, came to L.A. Obviously, we don't have El Pollo Loco. You guys don't have El Pollo Loco on the East Coast. Mm -mm, We didn't have El Pollo Loco in Hong Kong. And my grandfather took us there. He was like, this is the most authentic American restaurant I'll take you to. It's a chicken place, and it's it's a Mexican fast food place, apparently. It was delicious, though. And there are so many choices in El Pollo Loco. It's, it's really 
Lana the free inside of El Pueblo. Okay. Salsa bar. You can't have that in another country. I feel like people would just go nuts. What? When I saw that, when I saw, it, I couldn't believe it. This pre-chopped, finely chopped onions and cilantro. Ready for you. Why would I? Why would I go to a supermarket and buy cilantro if it's free <laughs> and pre-chopped? Have you ever just walked into an El Pollo Loco and just gotten some cilantro? Thought about it many times. But it wasn't worth the drive, maybe? Maybe. Through the yeah. traffic? Or the shame. <laughs> but I'm sure some people have done it. I always, no, you know what? I go to El Pollo Loco. I'll order like just like a pollo bowl, but I'll get like 10 stacks of those onions. Go home, cook with it. <laughs> just a layer on top that you can scrape. Yeah. Is that your go-to order there, just a bowl? Um, no. The pieces are great. Everything is great. It's great and healthy. And the chicken tortilla soup, one of my favorite things. I'm a soup guy. I'm a, I'm a soup and noodle guy. Huh. So if you were to rank your top five favorite soups of all time, what would they be? I, I, I gotta t- it's, it's all Asian soups. Okay. Because American soups aren't even soups. They're chowders. <laughs> They're thick. Okay? Asian people don't put fucking flour inside a soup. That's not a soup. Soup's supposed to be light. Makes you feel good. You know, clam chowder makes you feel sluggish. Yeah. It's no good. What about like... I like it, but it don't call yourself a soup. But what about like matzo ball soup? That's great. Clear broth. Love it. Mm, so you're not into the bisque sort of world. Not into the... Th- I, I like it, but I don't consider that a soup. When we had uh, Kumail on the show, yeah. on the podcast, he talked about the Great British Bake Off. Oh, yeah. Do you watch any food TV? So many people have told me about it. I haven't seen it. I, I watch... Travel shows. I love travel shows. Bourdain, of course. And uh, Everybody Feed Phil, one of my favorite shows on Netflix now. Uh, a lot of those shows. I, I love all that stuff. Does that kind of inspire you of where you want to travel when you do have free time? Yeah. Oh, yeah. A- every episode of those shows about Thailand or Southeast Asia, it just looks so amazing, which I've never been to Thailand, so I really want to go. That seems like a good bucket list place to eat. And he also uh, talked to us about the craft service on Silicon Valley. It's not bad. Yeah. What he said that uh, he, he and Zach Woods would eat too many cronuts. Is that oh. a lifestyle choice for you as well? There's always a, a, a box of cronuts in, in, a, in like a curious cabinet thing. Curious cabinet or curios cabinet? Curios, Back I think. Check. I think it's I think curios. curios. Yeah. yeah. Anyways. Um, I'm, I'm more of a chicken wing guy. You know, sometimes they sometimes they bring in like Tito's Taco is pretty good. Mike Judge is a chicken wing guy. He'll always have a thing of chicken wings in front of him. So you liked lemon pepper wings when you were in San Diego at Dirty Birds. I like that. I like dry wings. Yeah. Is that something that you're getting on set though, or is he like ordering buffalo wings or barbecue wings? I just I don't I don't have any say in that. <laughs> I, I, I just eat whatever is there, you know. I used to you know what's funny, when I used to be like really poor and uh, like I would get an acting job like maybe two days out of the year and get paid like SAG, SAG minimum, which is like $900 a day. And I would gorge myself at lunch. Because lunch at, 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 uh, at, at like an acting gig is pretty good. They have like grilled fish, grilled ribs, and everything. But then I, I soon realized that's a rookie mistake. Because you get so sluggish, you can't act after lunch. You gotta go take a nap in your trailer. But back in the day when I was so poor, that was the only good meal I had all month, you know? Would you smuggle any home or you would just eat as much yeah, as you Yeah, sometimes I'd take a to-go box. I still do. What do you put in your to-go box on, on silicon? It depends what day it is. If there's prime rib day or whatever, which is, you know, rare sometimes. <laughs> Pun intended. That's why you make the big bucks, you know what I mean? Yeah. Prime rib day, rare. Those are fun. I always take a piece home. But 
It's never great when you reheat that stuff. Mm-mm. Reheat value. Have you guys talked about reheat value? No. What is your re- what's the reheat best reheat value? Reheat value is very important, and and it's very it's not talked about very often. Reheat value. Steaks no good. Mm-mm. Fish can reheat. Mm-mm. Fries, fish and chips, garbage when you reheat it. Right? McDonald's, garbage. Can't eat it when you reheat it. But Chinese food, great, great. reheat value. Right? Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Unless your dumpling explodes, which has happened. Dumplings to me. no good for reheat. Mm-mm. Dumplings you might as well maybe get some frozen ones and then you know just boil it up. Yeah. Yeah, they have good frozen value. Dumplings. Yeah. They, they keep well. But uh, re- yeah, xiaolongbao you can't reheat. You just gotta eat it there. So when I'm in a restaurant, say I, I, I we order too much, I know there's a bunch of leftovers. I I know what I need to eat first in the restaurant. It's the stuff that has no reheat value, like uh, seafood. Mm-hmm. Or or shallow bao dumplings stuff like that, noodle soup, bad reheat value, because mm. the noodle gets soggy and it soaks up too much broth. Soaks up too much broth. Unless you store the noodle and the broth separately. Separately, like when you order Postmates, you order pho, they bring it, they bring the noodle and the and the soup separate. That 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 I can do or ramen, but generally rice and Chinese food has a good reheat value. Yeah. The thing about Postmates and Caviar and all of the Seamless, all of those, mm-hmm. there are so many of them now. Mm-hmm. What what would you like to do to make delivery food better? Let me, let me, let me say one thing. Let me, get, let me give my boy a shout out. <laughs> my boy in Boston, Danny Mang, who I played in Patriots Day. Guy's a freaking American hero. If you watch that movie, you know what I'm talking about. Um, so anyways, Danny Mang oh, oh, opened this app uh, called Rush Runner. It's only in Boston right now. Mm. But he curates the best Chinese food. He literally goes to a Chinese restaurant where the owners don't speak English, so they don't fuck with Postmates, right? So he goes there, and on his menu, he has Chinese and English and all the pictures, and he only delivers the best Chinese food. Rush Runner in Boston. If you're in Boston, download Rush Runner. It's the best. Do you think that the key to a good restaurant delivery um, app is just curating, curating the best stuff, being too specific? I think so. It's curating, but it's also it's hard to say. Some of my favorite restaurants in LA, they're so good, they don't deliver. Like Santuca Ramen, they don't let you take take a to go order. Well, I think it's because people, if you don't store it separately and you don't heat it to the right temperature and you don't have your soft boiled egg perfect, yeah, they don't want to sacrifice quality. They don't. Like I don't. I don't think like John and Vinny's delivers. Oh yeah, that, yeah. that makes sense. Oh, you I, know the Delta flights from LAX to JFK is John and Vinny now. Yeah, it was a choice between a salmon salad. And uh, what I got was the chicken pastor. Hard to do, hard to do fresh tortilla on a plane. Mm-hmm. They heat it up, they put it in the in the tin foil, but you take it out of the tin foil, it looks hot and warm. Two seconds, it turns into a piece of cardboard. Huh. So John and Vinny, if you're listening, you know, maybe do some pasta dishes. I don't know. Pasta something, has reheat value most of the time. Something with good reheat value. Tortillas, not good reheat value. They get cardboardy. No way. I just ate. Yeah, exactly. I just ate the chicken tortilla by. I mean, I just ate the chicken pastor by itself, which is which is okay. Mm. They use chicken breast. Use chicken thighs, people. Mm-hmm. You know what my favorite place is? What? Gelson's and stuff. You can only buy chicken breast and the high-end chicken. Go to go to go to um Fufales. They have the pre-marinated pollo asada chicken thighs that's deboned and it's delicious. Do you? How do you feel about like grocery delivery ser- services and stuff like that? Do you use them? 
I've, I've never used them actually because I enjoy like going to buy groceries one of my very few trips that I get to leave the house so I enjoy those trips you know but um, I haven't used those grocery deliveries and I like to see my produce man I like to tap my watermelon and look at the lettuce you know sometimes you get a bad batch of lettuce yeah and someone can't do that for you someone yeah, well, it would be too much to ask yeah and smart kitchens are a big thing now too. Uh, playing a character who invents weird food apps like yeah. seafood and not hot dog, and knowing the the Alexas and the Google voices of the world and the Samsung fridges and whatever, what would do you wish you could invent for a smart kitchen? What would be your ideal like robot kitchen? I want to go backwards on kitchens. I don't think kitchens should be smart. Cooking should be an enjoyable activity that you see that you're able to feel and do it's like fishing the fish tastes better when you caught it yourself when you made it yourself it's, it's better I, I've seen these I, I, I went to TechCrunch yesterday not to knock these guys I think they did an amazing job you, you just you have this thing where it's like five containers and then you put it in a pot and then it cooks th itself what's the fun in that at that point go out to a restaurant you know cooking should be something that you enjoy you do with your family some of the best memories I had was making wontons my mom yeah it's not fun if a machine packaged it. Are you pretty proficient at making dumplings because of your mom? Certain types of dumplings. I can't make those northern type of dumplings. So, uh, you know, the it's it's hard. There's so many different kinds. I can make wontons. M you know, my mom growing up taught me how to make wontons, you know, with the fold and then with a the little water on the fingertip, you know, with the flour. So that I know how to make. Um, but... Yeah, it, it, it's tough. There's so many different kinds. Like, I wouldn't be able to make a Shaolong Bao. And you got to steam it. How many people has those steamers in there? Yeah. House, you know? I have one. It's it's very big. And it's it's hard to, to find a place to store in a New York studio. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The boiling kind of dumplings. Those are easy to make, good to store, great storage value that you can keep for a long time. So freezer value, reheat value. Reheat value. Is there a third tier of this? Freezer. <laughs> freezer value. Reheat Heat value. value. And um, packaging value. How about that? Hmm. Some things are fine in a can or in a package. Like curries. Those Japanese curries or those laksa sauces, great in the package. You reheat it, just a sauce. But it, make sure the chicken and everything else is fresh. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But some some stuff like Chef Boyardee out of the can. It's – look, I, I actually like it. I was going to say it's not great, but I actually like it. So Tomato sauce. Some of the best tomato sauces are from cans. Mm -hmm. San Marzano, like tomatoes, great in a can. Sometimes it tastes better in a can than in a not can version. So maybe a canning storage value, mm. you know, freezing value, storage value, reheat value. That's Think it. about that. That's what we'll, we'll leave them with. But we're actually going to, before you go, do our lightning round, All which right. is a series of questions that you have to pick one as fast as you can. Hot dog or burger? Hot dog. Ketchup or mayonnaise? Mayonnaise. All day. Curly or waffle fries? Curly. Hainanese chicken or El Pollo Loco? I got to go Hainanese chicken. Sorry, El Pollo Loco. <laughs> but ginger sauce or the spicy sauce that comes with the Hainanese chicken? Ooh, that's, I love that ginger scallion sauce. That's one of my favorite sauces. Very underrated because you can just mix that with rice and it's mm -hmm. delish. They, make, they actually make a good one at Momofuku. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've been to the one in Vegas. It is good. Yeah. The ginger scallion noodles? Yeah. Very good. Very good. Chicken wings or fried chicken? What kind of chicken wings? Mm, buffalo wings. Buffalo wings or fried chicken? If health is not a concern, I would say fried chicken. Okay, okay. Uh, buffalo or barbecue wings? Ah, I think, mm, 
I gotta say buffalo. Yeah. yeah there's so many ways you can make that right. Dipping, ranch or blue cheese? Ranch all day. Celery or carrots? Celery. Hmm. They both good though, it's hard. And now to the very hard question, corn or flour tortilla? Corn. All right. Gotta say corn. Burrito or taco? So hard. If you're talking about California burrito, I might go burrito. But burritos in general versus tacos in general, I got to go tacos. So soft taco or hard taco? Soft. Yeah. What about queso or guacamole? Guac. Hmm? I'm not a queso guy. Yeah? Yeah. A cheese, dairy product, I'm slightly allergic. Yeah, same. Yeah. Most Asian, Asian people thing. are yeah, lactose yeah. intolerant. Yeah. yeah. If you had to choose, though, between alternative milks, almond milk or soy milk? I, they're both actually delicious. I grew up with soy milk. It's great. But they both have to be sweetened. But what if you had to choose between a jalapeno popper and a mozzarella stick? Oh, oh, that's tough. I think mozzarella stick. I like the texture and the feel of it. Jalapeno popper, sometimes it, it's dangerous. You, just, you can burn your mouth. Too much molten cheese, I think, is your problem. But that's what mozzarella stick has molten cheese, too. Mozzarella stick, the cheese is more mozzarella where it's, like, stringy. Whereas... Um, the, the jalapeno popper cheese, it's like a goo that explodes. It, it's, I don't know about that. Yeah, I think mozzarella stick. Okay. And if you had to choose between cold brew or pour over? I don't give a fuck about coffee in general. Hmm. I only drink coffee when I'm very tired. And I can't drink that much. I, I get very jittery. So it, it just, you, you know what the perfect portion of coffee for me? Hmm. The Trader Joe's tester cup. <laughs> that, that's about the maximum amount of coffee I can drink a day. So the one where you could just like go and self-serve at, yeah, the, at the sample station. Yeah, that's my morning routine when I used to live by a Trader Joe's. Instead of going to Starbucks, I just go get a free coffee at Trader Joe's. Fucking great. So smart. Yeah. So I'm guessing the answer to this next question, Trader Joe's or Whole Foods? It's so hard. Because I haven't been into Whole Foods in a while. Mm-hmm. And what really I turned around on Whole Foods, their hot food section. Great hot food section. Love it. The pizzas are great. It's it's not usually grocery store hot food is just garbage for like sad, lonely people. But Whole Foods, it's actually good hot food. So and Trader Joe's the frozen package stuff is great. But it, it seems like it seems like Trader Joe's is fast fashion. Trader Joe's is like Zara. Nothing wrong with it. You can find some good items from it. You know? But Whole Foods, it, it's like a real brand. It's it's like, I don't know. Ted Baker or something. It's nice. It's good shit, but it's expensive. So if, if you're talking about money's no issue, if, if we're not talking about the absurdity of m price of Whole Foods, and if Jeff Bezos have fixed that, good for him, I would choose Whole Foods. Yeah. And uh, what about pho or ramen? Oh, man. See, that's the question of the century. That's, oh, that's so tough. I, I, I went through a phase where I was eating ramen three days a week. And it was great. But then I realized how heavy it was. Were you really bloated from all the salt, too? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You, you, you know how you, how you realize how heavy ramen is? Is you put it in the fridge. Try to reheat ramen. Block, congealed. It's just a block of jelly, of meat jelly. And you're like, holy shit, this is what it looks like when I put it in my body? Horrible. You can't eat ramen every day. Pho, I can eat that every day. It's great for a hangover. So recently, I've switched mostly to pho. And it's also more clear broth. Mm -hmm. It's a cleaner, easier broth. So I, I, I think now, if you would have asked me at a year ago, I would have said ramen. But now since my health has deteriorated, uh, I would say pho. All right. And our last question, butter or olive oil? So hard. 
this is this is hard. Like some things are just better with butter. Some things better. I think olive oil, because when you get a really nice hit of olive oil, it's light. It doesn't make you feel like shit, but yet it's so delicious. Just a little pinch of salt, olive oil, and you dip the bread in. Nothing better than that. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast, Jimmy. So I'm waiting for your book on freezer value, storage value, and reheat value. Yes. All right. Thank you so much. The Bon Appetit Foodcast is produced by Carrie Polis and Christina Che and produced and edited by Emma Wartsman. Our theme music is by Nathaniel Wartsman. We have new episodes every Wednesday, and if you want to tell us about this or any other episode, email us at bonappetitfoodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.